everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the BTS podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome. I'm your host, Yara Minova, and today we have a very special episode dedicated learning more about an amazing concept and organization called the Collaborative Library, where their motto is unlocking science for everyone. Today, I'll be speaking to the founders of the Collaborative Library to learn more about what it is and how it works. Our guest speakers today are the lovely husband and wife, Dr. Anya and Dr. Anthony Harrison. Dr. Anya Harrison is the founder and CEO of the Collaborative Library. She's also a researcher and lecturer of neuroscience. Her research interests lie in neurodegenerative and inflammatory chronic illnesses and its link to psychological well-being, internet-based self-help therapeutic interventions, psychoneuroendocrinology, fatigue, and depression. Dr. Anthony Harrison is a principal clinical psychologist, a teaching fellow at King's College London, and the director of the Collaborative Library. His research interests are contextual behavior and other third-wave approaches as applied to long-term health conditions, specifically long-term COVID. He also has a strong interest in treatment non-adherence, web-based interventions, and co-production and service user preferences. I'm very excited to welcome and have them both here to speak about their upcoming project. Dr. Anthony and Dr. Anya, welcome. So nice to have you both here. Hiya. Thanks for having us. I'm really glad we're having this interview because I think what you created, Dr. Anya, is so important for many different stakeholders, whether that be students, researchers, academics, scientists, and then the general public, of course. And it's a beautiful way to integrate science and make it accessible for everyone. So I want to start off with that. What is the Collaborative Library and why did it come into existence? Yeah, that's a good uh, first question. So just to hit it off, um, the, the Collaborative Library is fundamentally, as you said, about unlocking science for everyone. So uh, what's important to say, it's a free repository where users can consume uh, and also publish vetted lay summary content of peer-reviewed scientific articles. And that is in a variety of very accessible formats. <laughs> The, the goal of that is to reach a wider global audience, so not just academics, as you very correctly have said already. Um, this is at a time where the internet is pretty much littered with misinformation. So we have a lot of claims of fake news, media spin, conspiracy theories, and everything goes viral really quickly and can cause harm. So as scientists and also clinicians, in Anthony's case, uh, we're passionate about ensuring that people can access the right information quickly and essentially cut through the noise. The project aims to link up people who do the scientific research and those who are essentially interested in the outcomes. So to spread the word and drive innovation. Despite efforts to increase open access to groundbreaking research in recent years, a large proportion of articles are actually still held between expensive paywalls of international publishing groups. So at present, only more privileged groups, including universities, can afford to actually access all of this knowledge. And we think that this poses a significant problem for the wider public or people living with health conditions who wish to make a bit more of an informed decision about their care, um, which relies on gaining a clear understanding of the available evidence and similarly um, health and social care professionals too often don't actually have access to expensive institutional licenses to appreciate research that has been conducted and this is also an important problem because they are expected to provide the evidence-based treatment in their work and a related issue is that even if service users, health professionals, social care professionals and other groups had full access to this vast body of knowledge, the language used within the scientific articles are replete with 
jargon and use of inaccessible mm. language that can very easily overwhelm the novice reader, not even the novice reader, any reader really. Um, and it's also the case that the exponential growth of research means that these groups, along with university students, too often don't have sufficient time or energy to read them all or struggle to appreciate their contributions in the broader context of the literature. And interestingly, although the European um, Union Clinical Trials Regulation Task Force, that was a mouthful, in 2014 included a requirement for the submission of easily digestible lay summaries for all clinical trial articles submitted uh, to address this gap, sadly, actually, very few changes have been made since. Yeah, I was just going to add to that, actually, that um, there there have been other websites out there, Sierra, that have tried to promote lay summary content, but often this involves having to pay thousands of pounds for creative experts to put together a video or a lay summary on your behalf, um, which is fine. But particularly during these cash trap times, money is short and um, students, researchers and other relevant professionals simply don't have it um, most of the time. So you can imagine there's not many lay summaries out there relative to the 4 million articles that are published every year. So, you know, we're also living in a time where students are excellent at making content for social media platforms. So why not apply their skills um, to share theirs or others' fascinating research to the world? I guess the only other thing I wanted to add is that we also noticed that other websites essentially chase up the author of a recently accepted peer-reviewed publication just to get them to produce a short written lay summary of their work. And that's obviously one way to do it. But usually in our experience, researchers don't always have the time to do that. And the take-up is quite low. So there's the other problem is that there's not many quality checks to ensure what's written is, is, is um, of high quality. So the Collaborative Library recognises this collective effort um, or a collective effort is needed to summarise the vast amount of knowledge by allowing others to produce lay summaries of their own, as well as others' research in a variety of engaging formats, as Anya's mentioned. Um, and it's one where they can be reviewed by professionals and peers. So it transforms the paid process that that people go through or the kind of chasing up process into more of a skill learning opportunity, including applying critical appraisal skills as part of maybe an alternative assessment within universities for students, but also other members of participating organizations. I just feel like it's such a brilliant concept. It really is. And there's so many points there that you both had made, which which really stand out on the importance of it. One, for example, it being that there's so much misinformation right now due to this plethora of like digital news and the way people translate certain research. And this is a very great way to be confident that, okay, I know that what I'm reading here has been peer reviewed or like, you know, cross-checked, edited by, like you said, researchers before the articles or the lay summaries are being put forward so that you know that the content is actually factual. Another thing that you guys, uh, Dr. Anya, you mentioned was that Sometimes reviewing certain papers, you have to pay a certain price to to be able to access certain journals, certain articles, and that could be problematic for a lot of people, um, even students in particular, if, for example, let's say they've graduated and have moved on. And I know a lot of students um, do complain about, you know, oh, I won't have access to certain articles. So this is, again, a very great opportunity to be able to do that. And there's clearly gaps, although, you know, we do see more and more researchers expressing their um, pop, their work with public engagements through like podcasts, YouTube channels, as you guys said. But it's great to see that there is another platform like this come 
come out. So you guys did briefly touch upon um, what it is, but who is the collaborative library exactly for? Well, our mission is really to increase students, academics and other professionals, but mostly also the wider public's fast access to reliable and easy to understand scientific research. And we want to do that on a global scale. That's quite important to us. So the platform really is designed to be highly inclusive. So we want to essentially help people learn and connect and at the same time be able to contribute. So ultimately, we want pretty much everyone to sign up for free benefit not only from consuming the knowledge um, arising from all this lovely scientific research that's out there, but also get a better sense of methods used and the overall quality of the published um, articles. Um, However, initially, we think that this will probably be a really good uh, resource to help students get to grips with some of the research that they'll need to look further into during their studies anyway, and giving them an overview of the evidence and a chance to publish their own contributions during their degrees. Um, It also includes a really helpful glossary. So um, different research methods are captured in there. um, And we have summarized all of those in lay terms as well, which I know uh, teaching on a research skills uh, related module is something that a lot of students, I think, would quite like to see. Um, So once we get some content on there, we hope that it'll be especially helpful for clinicians as well, um, who usually, as Mm -hmm. we I think mentioned already, don't really have time to review all the research articles, um, even if they can access them. So pretty much everyone is the short answer. So let's get into how it actually works. There are three main or different membership packages that, let's say, works for different groups or types of people. So there's standard to non-professional and then from non-professional to professional academic contributor. Is that correct? And if yes, what are they and how do they differ from one another? So I'm going to take this question, Sierra, and I think I can break this up into uh, two pieces just to, to kind of give you the general overview and then think about, about, about specifically the membership. So when an organisation, be it a university, a charity, a non-government organisation, scientific society, healthcare provider, business, industry has signed up um, to the free services, as you mentioned, people affiliated with this organisation. So in this case, university students, for instance, can team up with a qualified professional to upload video, audio, infographic and written lay content um, of of summaries of peer-reviewed scientific research um, with obviously the appropriate copyright permissions. So without going into lots of detail here, the UK Research Innovation Open Access Policy, which is sort of kicked off in April, means that we now have a lot more flexibility in what we can lay summarise. We're also currently discussing the option of integrating um, this into the university assessment processes too. So as Anya mentioned earlier, students could produce a publishable lay summary along with an optional lay summarised quality assessment checklist that we've produced for all the major um, scientific methods or or designs as part of their coursework. Um, Coming to the memberships then, There's a a standard membership. So this basically enables users to view, interact and read all lay summaries and information materials on the site. So it's for anyone who would like to sign up to learn more about scientific research. Um, There's also the next tier up is a non-professional contributor membership, which builds on the basic membership, but it's limited to people affiliated with a participating organisation. So like I said earlier, a university student or um, a a clinician within a healthcare organisation. They're not Mm -hmm. professionals um, 
I should say, actually an assistant clinician there. Um, so perhaps students, experts by experience or trainee clinicians uh, might be a good example of that. They can upload those summaries to the site, but they need to team up with a professional contributor to get it vetted and published. And then lastly, mm-hmm. there's the professional contributor membership. So these members have access uh, to all parts of the website. They have all the aforementioned um, privileges um, and they can vet and publish all uh, summaries uploaded by non-professional contributors and people can upgrade and downgrade their membership based on their affiliation and obviously once a new organization signs on we'll automatically upgrade membership for those basic members awesome so one quick question can a non-professional member so let's say for example the student can they upload a lay summary without the let's say approval of the professional slash academic contributor or does it have to be first peer-reviewed by the professional academic contributor? Yeah, we're hesitant to call it peer review because it doesn't involve more than, it doesn't have to include more than one uh, professional, but absolutely, yeah. So if someone within the non-professional contributor membership group wants to upload something, a student wants to upload something, they will need to team up with a professional contributor to vet that lay summary to say, yeah, I give my stamp of approval. It's a bit of a tiered system. So this, the non-professional contributors, they can upload it to our cloud of lovely lay summaries, but mm. they cannot publish it. So the other uh, person, the, the professional contributor, they have the power to kind of click the button and then it goes live. So that's how it links. Now, let's actually go into what lay summaries are. Are. I think that is obviously one of the coolest aspects of the Collab Library and its main focus or its main feature, uh, writing these lay summaries. So for, let's say, our non-academic um, groups listening um, who want to understand this a little bit better, maybe perhaps we can start with what is a lay summary? Who can write these? And is it limited to certain fields in science? Well, in a nutshell, a lay summary is basically a summary of a very complex scientific article put in words that anyone uh, that you meet and talk to when you meet them down the road or in the pub for a drink can understand. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be completely accessible, none of the jargon, not too much detail, just the quintessential bits um, in a nutshell. It's also supposed to be a summary, so not too long quite neat and tidy in that Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And when you're talking about the the fields of science or if there's any limitations in terms of like where this could apply to, uh, then our answer is no. There's absolutely no limitations and the platform that we have designed is meant to be super inclusive uh, in many ways. And that also uh, relates to the scientific field. So Essentially, anything from neuroscientists, psychology, medical research to the humanities or quantum physics, any anything is a goer in that sense. Um, on the website and the linked YouTube channel, we have lots of material guiding uh, contributors how to put together lay summaries as well. So um, on the website, you may have already seen there's a how it works section and we've got loads of like materials written and also video materials um, and also a selection of sample uh, example lay summaries uploaded. So they range in style to give uh, potential contributors a bit of a chance to get inspired or come with their own uh, completely new spin uh, of how they want to present a lay summary. But yeah, that's 
that's that. Yeah. And it's so comforting, I think, for many students who are eager to, let's say, improve their skills, practice that, but really don't know how to begin. And you mentioned that you have a YouTube channel for the Collaborative Library, which gives tips and examples. Uh, So you're essentially giving them this tool and platform to do so. And I think similarly for researchers, it's great for them to get their work out and make it more accessible publicly. And maybe even for the researchers who are very like heavy in scientific language, it could be great for people like myself personally as well to like really understand what they're saying. I think this next question that I want to ask about is very particular to students and one that they would be very excited for. On the website, it mentions that students can get grants and scholarships when writing lay summaries. So can you walk us through how that works? And maybe you can start off by elaborating the differences between what a scholarship and a grant is. Yeah, sure. So as researchers and clinicians, and obviously not too long ago, um, students ourselves, we, I guess we really passionately believe in rewarding those who make great contributions to further science and disseminating the implications of research widely and accessibly. So the idea is that once we get a a critical mass of members uh, and participating organisations and and lay content uploaded and shared, we're willing to share a substantial proportion of any profits um, to those who produce the best lay summaries as part of our Impact Excellence League tables that we're going to start to generate. Um, So this means the top three lay summaries will be identified by, uh, say, amounts of views, for example, um, and will then award a prize to the lay summary author. So a grant, I guess, to, to come to your second part of your question, really, is would be used to carry out further research, usually, and a scholarship would be used more f- to pay for a student tuition, for instance. But is it just particularly one lay summary, or does it have to be a certain collection that they would have to write before? Quality over quantity, we say. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you if you produce one, that's absolutely. F- fantastic right you're in the run up for for um winning a prize i guess so no it's it's not necessary to produce loads and loads we'd rather have a a really good Mm. lay summary than loads but that said obviously if you think about it logically the more you produce the higher your chances of getting one that's really going to go viral so exactly All right, fellow students, we got competition. <laughs> no, that's that's very exciting stuff. I think it's so beautiful that you've added that touch. It really shines the way you both care about the student side of things. I know you both work with students as well, so it's really nice mm-hmm. to see it shine through in this project. Only to add to this, really, that um, one of the things that we're really passionate about as well is that not all organizations, you know, are research rich as well. So um, you know, Anya and I work at King's and it's hugely rich in terms of the research they produce, but not every university is, is at that level at this time. And so, again, we, we hope it will be inclusive for people to be able to pick this stuff up and participate. And like you say, compete, um, you know, even when there isn't lots and lots of research being produced at that organization. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on that similar note, the website itself is very rich in information and we can only know that it's going to grow from here onwards. But I feel like every time I go on it, I discover something new. For example, how you can actually add friends or connections and connect with people. Maybe you guys can go into that feature, but that's definitely one of my favorites. But what are some of the cool features that 
the collaborative library has. And maybe you can each mention one or two of your favorite features or options. And then I'll mention mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an easy one. Actually, my favorite idea are the Mover and Shaker Awards for contributors for uploading mm-hmm. lay summary content and then the Geek Out Awards for basic, so standard non-contributing users. Because uh, I always think that it's really nice to keep track of how much knowledge one is helping to disseminate or how much knowledge one is actually absorbing, basically uh, consuming. And the second thing probably is that I'm actually quite proud of all the artwork on the page. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is a super low um, low, pro- low budget project. So we've essentially developed all the icons and graphics ourselves, which was a major endeavor. Oh. We designed the whole website and every single, every single icon uh, we hand drew kind of thing. So uh, that's, that's something beautiful. that I think... Um, I'm quite keen on and the way they spin when you sort of <laughs> scroll down the page. <laughs> I like these playful elements. I, I'm totally on board with you on that. Those little <laughs> those little details are adorable. I agree. Yeah, I, was, I, was just, I think it's my favorite feature is definitely the guidance materials for creating lay content. Um, so these were really fun to film um, and invited us to think a bit more about science, not simply as this serious endeavor. Um, obviously it's important and it's important to stay close to the evidence, but also a place to be quite playful and creative. Um, so yeah, I guess the other thing, admittedly being a bit of a geek myself, I quite enjoyed putting the glossary together. Um, you know, I know (laughs) this is something that I really, really wanted and needed when I was starting out, um, on my bachelor's course back in the day. So, um, hopefully people will find this helpful. I absolutely love that. It's so funny uh, that you guys mentioned the l- little badges because when I signed up, I got the Starter Geek Out Award and I absolutely loved it. Like that was definitely one of my favorite features too. And I was just so excited to see like, what am I going to get next, you know, as as I keep. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that as you are more interactive and it's almost like a little community. That's how I see it. The collaborative library as a little community of people who have the similar interest, although from so many different fields that can get together and really like benefit. It's like there's the symbiosis between everyone who are in that Mm -hmm. space. So I really love that. And definitely for me, the interactive element of it, the way you can comment, leave reviews on people's lay summaries, connect message with one another. I think it's just such a great opportunity Um, to, like I said, be with similar minded people in the field and even collaborate possibly when you wouldn't have the opportunity to do so some other time. One question I actually had on that in terms of connections, how can you connect with others on the platform or find them? Is there a way that you can actually search for people and to see who who is on there? Yeah, you can find who authored obviously a lay summary. um, So their profile is linked to the lay summary overview when you click on it. Um, but you can also go to the members mm-hmm. section or search just at the top of the search bar for the names directory um, and then awesome. click on their profile and, and, and a bit like you would do on, say, something like LinkedIn, press the connect button. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Now, Dr. Anthony, you mentioned earlier about like the interactive video element and I'm definitely more of a visual learner. So I absolutely love that you guys have a YouTube channel, which is what I want to talk to about next. What I'm interested to know is what kind of videos does your YouTube consist of? Are there a certain series of different styles that people can expect? And then also, can members upload videos as well? 
That's a good question. So, I mean, first of all, the YouTube channel is essentially where we store all our video and audio library um, and, and all the guidance content that is uploaded to our website. So they're all embedded from there, if that makes sense. And all the videos on our websites are hosted on the YouTube channel to also enable us to essentially generate some neat analytics. And um, another key thing is because that's something that none of our competitors do. We want mm -hmm. it to, to be there as well and represented and not private, but public, because it means that we are seen by such a much larger audience. Right. Um, and it's supposed to be a source of income in the future to make, make us help um, the collaborative library sustainable. Um, so we would obviously be delighted to see uh, many uh, new subscribers to our channel. Um, because as you're probably aware, we need to like have quite a significant online following before uh, we even qualify for monetization. So whilst all the late content formats are um, great, video and audio will help us the most with that, not to mention uh, video uh, obviously being the most accessible and viewed format online with YouTube attracting, what is it like, almost 14 billion viewers per month, uh, which is second only to Google, which is quite wild to think about. Mm. Um, essentially, at the moment on our YouTube channel, we have different um playlists if that makes sense as we have mm -hmm. more content they will become a bit more sophisticated at the moment we have one called lay summaries because we haven't got that many lay summaries yet as we have more lay summaries from different areas of science we will have one dedicated to say psychology one to neuroscience one to whatever Amazing. so we'll make it a lot more sophisticated as we go along and as we uh, accumulate um, more more content. Um, we also have the all the instruction videos in one um, playlist, and we also have all our like what is this about uh, information in one playlist. Um, so we are the only people who manage um, this. So if you were uh, a contributor or you wanted to upload your video to the actual website, you would be uploading it on the collaborative library website. It would then come to us, and we would be uploading it on your behalf, if that makes sense, because otherwise it gets really, really messy, really quickly. Messy. So, um, but yeah, that's, how, that's how we, uh, how we run the YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I was actually watching the other day, uh, one of your uploads, I think it was a lay summary that was turned into a video called harnessing psychedelic drugs in psychotherapy, oh. something that I'm interested in. Yeah, it was like, I think an eight or a 10 minute video summarizing the findings of like how psychotherapy and psychedelics are currently booming in the field. And I think Dr. Anthony, I also read one of your uh, lay summaries on the role of nature for mental health. That was very beautifully written as well. So I can only imagine how fun and interactive that's going to be just these really rich in information and yet so simple and easy to understand. So yeah, that's, that's very exciting stuff. I'll be linking the website of the Collaborative Library as well as the YouTube channel on this episode's description box so people can check it out for themselves and explore the website. I highly, highly recommend that you do so. And Dr. Anya, Dr. Anthony, as a final question, what is your vision for the Collaborative Library, let's say for the next few months in the short term? Um, and then maybe in the long term, I'll, um, I'll I'll try and bite this one off, Anya, if that's okay. Thinking about the short term, and I guess we'll come mm -hmm. to the long term in a second. But <clears throat> in the short term, yeah, we'd absolutely love to see some of our colleagues and friends within the UK universities, particularly initially, but also globally, um, health and charity sectors in particular as well, sign up 
as participating organisations to help us start producing meaningful lay content on a much larger scale than we are currently. Um, you know, and spreading the word amongst everyone who's interested in science. Um, so if you're a member of one of these organisations as a student, for example, you can advocate for the project um, by using a standard email template that we've stuck just at the top of the How Does It Work page. Um, at this point, it's probably helpful to send it to your, I don't know, if you're a university student, your Dean of Education, or maybe your impact, engagement, your assessment or research and development leads. I mean, ultimately, we, we want to be the largest um, and most impactful um, yeah, online platform for lay summaries globally. Um, that's, that's kind of a, an, a really important start. And it's, it's the, the most central theme, I guess, across um, the website. But we have a, a wider vision to start to improve um, people's involvement in research, which has for a long time been a struggle, particularly in Western countries where we're seeing that reducing, but also doing better quality research abroad as well in other countries. But yeah, there's also something about trying to help people advocate. So if they watch a video about climate change or a series of videos about climate change to get an overview of an area like that, then maybe we can redirect them to something that would help them feel more empowered to take action or, or to do something about right. the, the, the findings that they're seeing. So we the vision is extremely broad in scope, um, but we need to get through the first hurdle of um, of making it the biggest lay summary um, platform. platform online. Yeah, and the the I think one of the key things is um, if you look across the board, a there is no such thing exactly in the way that we're trying to propose it here, and b there's definitely no one who will pay you for your efforts in the wide scheme or give you a, a chunk of the profits. So we're kind of trying to make sure that we run collaborative library that is um, fueled by our own values. And I think that is something that is going to really be driving us going forward. And we hope that many more people share in that um, and that we can really make this something meaningful because we know that we've been chipping away at sort of doing the odd lay summary here as an example here and there, but we can't create that. We can only create it if we, if we team up and if we all, chip in together but then we can make something pretty um impressive i think um i mean if you would like to support us or anyone would like to support us then obviously you could sign up to the collaborative library website as such and also sign up to the youtube channel uh, and of course watch the occasional video that you're interested in and that would already be very very helpful just to kind of generate that bit of oomph that we perhaps need to uh, interest more uh, participating organizations as well and of course tell everyone you know about it but that's all definitely Definitely. Absolutely. Dr. Anya, Dr. Anthony, this has been an absolute pleasure. I am really in love truly with your vision and I wish you both the best of luck. And I have absolutely no doubt that this is going to thrive and I'm really looking forward to see it grow and see where it goes next. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Please do go and check out the Collaborative Library. I have linked it in the description box below and check out their YouTube channel as well. And if you have any questions, do reach out to Dr. Anya or Anthony. I'll be linking their emails as well. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. 